So, all right. Anyway, good to, uh, good to have you here. And uh, just, you know, praise God. I, I'm, I'm looking forward I'm looking forward to this. We're in some places that I really enjoy in 2 Corinthians. We've been in 2 Corinthians. Uh, I'd like for you to go to 2 Corinthians at this time. The message tonight is Paul's passion for God's church. Paul's passions for God's church. That's in chapter 11, 2 Corinthians. <clears throat> but I'm going to take you at the very beginning here, I'm going to take you to uh, someplace else, just at the beginning, and we might split this in two. I, I, I don't know, uh, want to see because there's much in here, but uh, the Lord showed me something that uh, I thought, you know, th- this, is, this, this is needful. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of bring something in at the beginning, but again, I'm glad you're, I'm glad you're here. And I'm glad to be here. You know, I, I, I'm convinced. Remember when, remember when COVID came along? And uh, at first, it was funny. And then it was like, what are we doing? And then it's like, you know, this isn't all that good. Uh, Brother Kelly, I remember... We, we, were, we were starting to talk where it's like, you know, we, we, we need to just open back up again. And, uh, you know, we had a few people that were here for our broadcast and stuff. We tried our first broadcast uh, in my office. And uh, that, that went up like a lead balloon. And then we came out here and got it going. I, I remember I was talking to Brother Getch. We had him scheduled for Palm Sunday. And uh, I said, hey, you know, it's okay. You know, with all this going on, you don't need to come. He says, look, I'm going crazy sitting here. I, I've got to, I said, come on up. He drove from Lancaster on early, oh, dark 30 Sunday morning. He drove all the way up from Lancaster, preached, and then drove all the way back. And I thought, man, that is, that's really something. But even before we had start, you know, like, you know, we need to start, having people, you know, we, we need to get, let people know that on May 31st, that's the day, you know, we're going to reopen. But and they're sitting back there and they're going, we're, we're just tired of it. You know, that, that's, it, that's it. But I've heard people even now talking about the effect that COVID had on local churches. And it's still, it's still out there. Now, it's true, it's having an did to the heart and soul of people literally around the world. So you've got people now, they don't want to go back to work anymore. I'm going to live on welfare. We've got people that they just, you know, they don't want to go to work, you know, period. There, there's, you, you know what I mean, how it's affected but then also it affected local churches. And I got to thinking about, I got to thinking about this, that, you know, there's a reason why Satan wants to go after the local fellowship. And I just kind of got to thinking about it. And then 
in coming to 2 Corinthians 11, I thought, that's it. That's absolutely it. Hey, are we still on, guys? We're still on. Okay, good. But then in studying this, there was something I was, I was driving this last week, and I was listening to Tozer. One of my favorite things when I'm out in the vehicle, when I'm out in my truck or out in the car, uh, I, I have uh, Audible, and I have several, quite a few actually, of uh, A.W. Tozer's books. And I just, I like listening to him. And he brought up a seed thought that I thought, I got to check, I got to check this out. So keep a finger there in 2 Corinthians 11, but go back to a familiar passage, but something that I want to stress, Psalm 63. Psalm 63. And I got to meditating on this the other night, and it's like, you know, I, 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 can, I can see it. Tozer was talking about the fact that he, he doesn't like it when book that will take a song, a hymn, out of our hymn books, and they'll change the personal pronoun and make it plural. Instead of I, it's we. You know, so we thank you, Lord, instead of I thank you, Lord, etc. And he gave a couple of illustrations of this. And after he said that, I thought, you know, yeah. And my heart, my, my, my thoughts went to Psalm 63. You know it. Look at this. O God, thou art what? My God. And I, and I got to meditating on that. O God, thou art my God. Can I ask you something in all seriousness? When is the last time you stopped? Seriously, please. When's the last time you stopped and you told the Lord, you're my God. You know, we wind up thinking about a, a, an all-encompassing God. He rules over all, and he does. But he's my God as well. And there's a reason why I'm emphasizing this. When the Lord, when, when God would introduce himself later on, when he would talk to people uh, in, in the Old Testament after Genesis. And I think a little bit, I, I can't remember, but I think it's even at the end of Genesis. But he said, I am the God of, who's the first one he would mention? Abraham? In other words, he was showing himself to be the personal God of Abraham, of Isaac, and Jacob. Now, go, if you would, again, Psalm 63. O God, thou art my God. 
And I got to thinking about this. And again, there's a reason why I'm stressing this. I believe that because David came to this conclusion, he is meditating, he's speaking to the Lord. I mean, he is, he is thinking, you're my God. In other words, Lord, you are as interested in what happens to me personally as anything or anybody else in the universe. Are, are you listening? I'm not kidding. I, I'm adamant about this. I am adamant about this. Because this is how we need to see God. He's not a generic God. He's not an all-compassing God that maybe knows what I'm going through, but eh, maybe he doesn't, or if he does, it's not that big of a deal. No, Larry, he's your God. You understand that? Brad, he's your God. He's your God. And you young men, listen, as you go back home, he's going to be your God. David was so enthralled with that, this is what he said next. Early will I seek thee. That was a passion. Lord, you have shown yourself to be my God. When I have asked you, you have answered. When I have spoken with you, when I have meditated on you, when, when I have been out in the sheepfold at night or early in the morning, and I have meditated on you and I've prayed and I knew you were there. Lord, for that reason, you know what? I, I don't want to wait for you. I want you now. Early will I seek thee. My soul, oh, my soul thirsteth for thee. You know the rest of the chapter or at least you should. The point I'm trying to make is, is, is this. There's a passion for God's people. It begins in the prayer closet after salvation. It begins in the prayer closet with our God. It's us going after him. Like the song writer wrote, his track I see and I'll pursue. Now, the reason why that to me, I'm just thinking this. This is, in, in meditating on this and such, when you have a passion for the God of heaven, when you have a passion for the one who saved you because he loved you so much, it's not going to be that hard to have a passion for what he has a passion for. And that's what we see with Paul. Now, now con consider, consider this. See, there was a passion, there, there was a desire for getting together, you know, before COVID that got knocked out with some people. And now it's just, you know, it's, it's not there as much. 
This is one of the reasons why we need to awaken again. With everything else that has changed in our culture, in this world, we need to stop. As Christians, as believers, we need to stop and we need to think, now, now, now wait a minute. How has this affected me with my God? How has this affected me with this church? You know, one of the things that has hit me this year, I just, earlier this year, I just, it just started going through my mind. The preciousness of the local church. When we read the Old Testament, who are we reading about mainly? Israel. What they've gone through, et cetera, et cetera. May I ask you a question? What's the New Testament about? God's people in the local church. To the church at the Ephesians, the Colossians, the church at Thessalonica. The church is precious to our God. I am convinced that when we hold our God precious, the preciousness of the local church will grow. Now, we might look around and we might wind up using um, fleshly systems, fleshly thoughts to measure our local church. Other people would do the same with their church. This is why some people are taking fleshly things to try to, you know, get their local church to grow, etc. Folks, I want it spiritual here. And to me, the best thing to start out tonight, as we look at Paul with 1 Corinthians 11, the best thing to start out with is to remind you, to remind me, our God is precious. O God, thou art my God. He is the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Dan, Mike, and Kristen, and Carrie, and on and on, and Lynn. You see what I mean? He's our God, but he's also my God, and he's your God. Is it that right now, in this time, when the rapture takes place, the focus is going to be on Israel. Right now, it's the local church, God's people, right here. This is it. And we need to hold that precious. So, going to be looking tonight for <coughs> Paul's passion for God's church. First of all, I want you to look at, just notice briefly, he was jealous. He was jealous. Look at verse 1. Would to God ye could bear with me a little in my folly, and indeed bear with me. For I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy. First of all, I want you to see that the attitude that he had, it was of God. 
You know, I've, 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 I've got I've to bring this in. Sometimes you feel absolutely awkward as a pastor. You know, you, you, you desire something for God's people. In doing that sometimes, you wind up getting people irritated with you. For instance, telling three young men they have no reason whatsoever to go back to their homeland. You know, I mean, what's wrong with California? I mean, come on, guys. If we're going to be here, you ought to know. You know what I mean. But you know, seriously, I mean, you can ask your dad. You know, when you look at God's people, my, my heart, you know, I loved being with Brother Taylor. He's a great guy. I love the church. But my heart was here. Why? Because you were here. Not the building, not that, you. This is our place here. And my desire is this. I, I, I see people, I see Sharon, you know? Again, I, I see Mary. Man, a lot. You know, Mary's been with Mary. Let's see, what did we say? Mary, Ms. McGee, and the Gilberts. They're the, the, they're the ones that are left over from the original group. It's amazing how they put up with us. We're not going to take that thought any further. But you, you, you get what I'm saying? He's, Paul had such a passion. He started the church at Corinth. He started it. He had a desire for them. Meanwhile, as we're going to see, he has, there have been people move in that are trying to destroy his work. It's, it is, it's testing him. Let, let me just leave it right there. But he says, look, what did God that you could bear with me a little in my folly? I, I'm, I'm trying to say, I, I'm trying to get something across to you here. He had a goal. Look at this. Look at the last part of verse 2. For I have espoused you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. You know what a pastor wants? Please hear me. You know what a pastor wants? He wants his people to grow. You know... I've, I've told you before, so forgive me on this. But I'll never forget, you know, teaching all those young people in, in that, uh, in that uh, school, Christian school down in Santa Maria, because the, I, I remember the best illustrations were from that. You're, you're teaching, and you know how teenagers are. <laughs> they're, they're, you know, they're so intent on what you're saying. Not always. So you're there and, and you're bringing out a, a, a truth in God's word. And, and here's, a, here's a child or, or here's, a, here's a teenager sitting there, you know, and they're listening. And all of a sudden you see, and suddenly God's word has spoken. It got them. They saw it. That is what you desire to see. Let me tell you, you want to you kill a pastor's heart? 
get into sin. Blow your family up. You want to you, you kill, you know, the heart of a local church? Decide that it's not worth it. That's not good. Because there's coming a time when all of you, Lana, Vivian, all of us, going to be standing before God. We're going to give an account. Paul says, look, would you bear with me in my folly in this? I, I, I have a desire. And even now, I feel a little awkward in saying this, but honestly, it's, it's my desire that every person in here hears from the Lord, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Yeah, I hope and pray I get to hear. And this is why, you know, there are other things that have been important. And even, you know, I, I pray when Brother Whiteside is preaching. It, it's not the speaker. It's not me. It's how are we responding to God's word? Are we grasping it, embracing it? making it part of us. That's one of the reasons why when I wind up having something where the Lord has spoken to me, I'll, I'll share it with you. You know, through the year, like, like this year, you know, going back, but like the thing on, on, on the fear of the Lord, on the importance of the local church, on souls, et cetera, et cetera. He reminds me, and I think, you know, that's a, that's a reason why I want to remind us all. Now, do you have a passion to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant? I hope and pray. The picture here that Paul is using is a father who's preparing his daughter to be married. The church is the bride of Christ. There's coming that time. And the pastors need to be reminding others, listen, let's be ready. Wait a minute. Don't get hung up on fleshly things. Hold on. Don't do that. Hey, listen, be sure your sin will find you out. Wait a minute. The lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. Don't get into that. We're looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. That's what it's like. Okay, we got to learn. We got to study. We've got to see this. We've got to discipline ourselves. Jeremiah, I, I, you know, boy, when I read through him, I got to thinking about this. And I, again, this is something that I've told you. I don't see us, you know, we look at Job and it's like, oh my, you know, he went through so much. I look at Jeremiah now and I think, you know what, collectively, that what's, that's what the church can be in America right now. We wind up being like that. Israel didn't want to hear what Jeremiah had to say. Jeremiah was speaking to Judah and their loss of love for the Lord. <coughs> in Jeremiah 2, verse 2, he said, go and cry in the ears of Jerusalem saying, 
Thus saith the Lord, I remember thee, the kindness of thy youth, the love of thine espousals, when thou wentest after me in the wilderness, in the land that was not sown. What happened? Israel lost its first love. And they were walking off. That's what happened with the church at Ephesus. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. I want, to sh- I want you to see now in verse 3, he was concerned. Now let's listen to Paul in this. He had a fear. He's concerned that Satan is getting after the people in that local church. Look at verse 3. But I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. I love that phrase. Following after Jesus Christ is not complicated. There's a surrender, there's a love, there is a passion, and there's his commands. Let's follow him. But the wicked one is there, and like we've looked at before, he questioned God's word, yea, hath God said. Then he denied God's word, ye shall not surely die. Then he substituted his own lie. Ye shall be his gods. You know, there's people out right now that are trying to sell you a false gospel. They're online. They're on the air. Some of them have really big churches. You know? And uh, they love it when Hollywood types Media types come to their church because then they can brag. Look who's here. Folks, there are people online and there are books that are being sold even in Christian bookstores. Don't listen to. Don't listen to them. I was watching a thing. In fact, we we were watching it today where a fellow showed, listen, Here's a, here's a uh, 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 I don't know if he was a rapper or whatever, but a guy, you know, a, 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 a singer for uh, younger people. And he himself has some real trouble when, uh, when it comes to uh, purity, etc. But here he is singing. Now, again, this is somebody that young people are listening to, thinking, you know, this is Christian music. And he says, the lion and the lamb will bow down to the goat. Excuse me? Who's the goat? You know who it is. Who's the lion and the lamb? And people wind up singing this stuff. Well, he says he's a Christian, you know, no problem. No, big problem. Big problem. There have been battles in time past where people 
wound up literally losing their ministry in Bible colleges, in Bible universities, because they would not compromise. I was reading of a man this week that was kicked out of a Southern Baptist university decades ago, almost 100 years ago. No, um, something like that. It was way back. No, it wasn't 100 years ago, but it was, it was way back. I think now it was in the 40s. He was kicked out. Why? Because he would not embrace evolution in a Christian college. Satan has been busy trying to get in to Bible colleges and local churches. If he can't get them off doctrinally, he'll seek to destroy them another way. Are we getting through here? Paul loves the church. If he was here, he would be showing the same love for us. And he's saying, listen, I have a fear. You've got to be careful. I'm not going to be able to get this all in tonight, but I want to go over just a couple of more things. See, he had a fear, but then he had a reason. Sometimes... People aren't discerning, comparing Scripture with Scripture. Instead, they're just listening to an individual. Look at verse 4. For he that cometh, for if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if ye receive another spirit, which ye have not received, or another gospel, which ye have not accepted, ye might well bear with me. Now, now, now listen to me. They claim to have divine authority as God's servants, but their authority was bogus. There are people that will come in and they will say, hey, listen, we're as good as Paul. Uh, hey, you know, we, I, went to, I went to university. I went to monkey out of you. You know, I just, I, you know, just, hey, I've been there, you know, and so we're not going to, you know, you don't need to listen to your preacher. Yes, because we need to be listening to somebody who's listening to the word of God. And folks, if I'm not listening to God's word, you need to get rid of me. Boy, that's quiet. I, I'm, I'm feeling either, either you're listening to what I'm saying or I'm boring you to tears. I hope not. When somebody comes along and they present themselves like these people did as some kind of super apostle, you be careful. Listen, Paul came in in all simplicity. He wanted them to know the basics that the Lord Jesus Christ was seeking to teach. The challenge comes when there are those with the, with the fair speech of Satan, they come in and come in with something that soothes the soul without needing to see a change in the heart. Second Timothy 4, Paul tells them, he tells, excuse me, Timothy, and he tells us through this, verse 3, 
for the, for the time will come when they, who's they? God's people will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall heap, them, shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Itching ears describes a person who desires to hear just for mere gratification. Tell, tell me something that makes me feel good. Don't tell me anything that convicts me. Folks, we need conviction. There needs to be change. I am not there yet. None of us are. There are things in our hearts, in our minds, that we need to see. And it's not, we, we change. We, Lord, do it. Help me to open my eyes to your word. Help me to see it. Lord, I want to rightly divide the word of truth. Paul was frank, and I'm going to end here with this. Paul was frank with them. He admitted, he says, look, I'm not dynamic, but I know what I'm talking about. Look at verse 5. For I suppose I was not a whit behind the very chiefest apostles. I'm not, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a super preacher. But though I be rude in speech, yet not in knowledge, I know what I'm talking about. But we have been thoroughly made manifest among you in all things. I love, <coughs> no, I wasn't there. Dr. Bob Jones Sr. died in 1968. So I didn't get to hear him preach. I've heard I've heard it on, on, on audio and such. But I heard him say this. He says, I've heard, you know, Southern preachers say, I seen. And you know what? They saw something. But then he's heard eloquent guys, I have seen. And he says, they haven't seen a thing in their lives. So if somebody comes with fair speech, that doesn't mean that they know, again, what they're talking about. He has a desire. He's trying to get you to understand. He's trying to get the church at Corinth to understand. Don't you understand why I love you? He said he robbed other churches. Look, verse 7, have I committed an offense in abasing myself that ye might be exalted because I have preached to you the gospel of God freely? I robbed other churches, taking wages of them to do you service. He says, look, I made, I, 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 I made my own keep. I made the money so you wouldn't have to foot the bill on me. Look at verse 9. By, by the way, in fact, the Judaizers even used Paul's financial policy as quote-unquote proof that he was not a true apostle because he went out, he was a tent maker. Can we push through on this? I'm, I'm going I'm to get through this as quick as I can. Let's do that because I want to get to chapter 12. Look at verse 9. And when I was present with you and wanted, I was chargeable to no man. For that which was lacking to me, the brethren which came from Macedonia supplied. And in all things I have kept myself from being burdensome unto you, and so will I keep myself. Interesting, that word chargeable there literally means to grow numb. It comes from the image of an electric eel numbing its victim with a shock. 
a numbed part of the body would be a burden to the victim. Paul had not used devious tricks to catch the believers by surprise. He preached it as it ought to be. Verse 10, as the truth of Christ is in me, no man shall stop me of this boasting in the regions of Achaia. Whereof, because, wherefore, because I love you not, God knoweth. But what I do, that will I will do, that I may cut off occasion from them which desire occasion, that wherein they glory, they may be found even as we. In other words, we're going to catch them, we're going to nail them. He cautioned them. He cautioned them, these Judaizers that were bringing in a false gospel. What they can do, he tries to show them. Look at verse 13. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves even into the apostle, apostles of Christ. And no marvel, this is how they do it. For Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. You see that? They go by what he can do. The Greek word there means to disguise, to masquerade. Look at verse 13, excuse me, verse 15. Therefore, it is no great thing of his ministers also be, if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. See, he's trying, look, listen, you don't want what they're going to wind up with. Because the direction that they go, at the end, they will pay an incredible price. You don't want to do that. You need to understand where your salvation comes from. And it's not faith plus works. It's not going back to the old Mosaic law. It's Christ in you, period, by faith alone, through Christ alone. So he showed them what counts. Let's get this through. Verse 16, I say again, let no man think me a fool. If otherwise yet as a fool receive me that I may boast myself a little. That which I speak, I speak it not after the Lord, but as it were foolishly in this confidence of boasting, seeing that many glory after the flesh, I will glory also. For if ye suffer fools gladly, seeing ye yourselves are wise, for ye suffer. If a man bring you into bondage, if a man devour you, if a man take of you, if a man exalt himself, if a man smite you on the face, I speak as concerning reproach as though we had been weak. Bottom line, these foes are trying to use their false credentials to harm believers. It's still happening today. He's saying you need to see the valid credentials of the apostles, of God's people. Watch this. End of verse 21. Howbeit, whereinsoever any is bold, I speak foolishly, I am bold also. And then he says this. Are they Hebrews? They were, okay. Guess what? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. And then he goes into reminding them, you need to remember what I've been through through all this. These people, me, 
Are they ministers of Christ? Verse 23, I speak as a fool. I am more and labors more abundant and stripes above measure and prisons more frequent and deaths oft of the Jews. Five times received I 40, tri- 40 stripes save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep, in journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils by my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren. Let me read this through. We need to be reminded what Paul went through. In weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, in Damascus, the governor under Aretas, the king kept the city of the Damascenes, Damascenes, all of a sudden I can't pronounce that, with a garrison desirous to apprehend me, and through a window and a basket was I let down by the wall and escaped his hands. Read all that to get to this. The, the thought he shared here struck me so much. Remember, by their fruit ye shall know them. Paul went through all this, and still he said in verse 28, beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. Remember what we read at the beginning of the chapter? Remember what we read in Psalm 63? Listen, he's saying, I have a passion for you. Do you not understand? Do you not see it? Who is weak? And I'm not weak. Who is offended? And I burn not. If I must needs glory, I will glory of the things which concern mine infirmities. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is blessed forever, knoweth that I lie not. I wanted to go ahead and get to that tonight because we're going to be going in, we're going to be launching into chapter 12 after this, and it's just a great segue when we take this and go into there. But the point is, here was a man that had a passion for his God. The passion for his God translated into a passion for God's people, for the local church. And recognizing by their fruit ye shall know them. He went through all that, all these things, all the suffering because of his care for the churches, for God's people. Others, they get up and it's, You need to pay me more. This is why, you know, the world is looking at some of these mega churches and they're mocking them, and rightly so. You know, if you want want a blessing, send me $1,000. And if you send me $1,000, I'll tell you about the blessing next week. (laughs) By their fruit you shall know them. Paul had a passion. As a pastor, I can understand that somewhat. As a Christian, 
I rejoice that he had that kind of passion. Because look at what the Lord used him to write in the New Testament. We're going to continue this next time. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for the Apostle Paul. Lord, thank you how you used him to be a blessing to us, how you used him to share his passion, his burden to the local church. Lord, thank you for the local church. I pray that this place would be, these people would be in our hearts that we would find ourselves praying often one for another. There are burdens that are here. There are things that hurt. There are people that others are praying for that they have a great burden for. I think of how the two-minute warning is coming. And we need to be so praying for that to be a blessing. Lord, it was wonderful to hear this morning how another church up there at Calvary, they've got men coming. They can't wait to be here. They're so thankful for what they see and what they experience here with our people. Lord, help us to remember that we can't do it in our power. We need yours. So Lord, in this local church, I pray we'd find ourselves faithful. And I pray this in Christ's name.